Welcome listeners to a brand new bonus episode of Oh My Word Podcast. And today we have a very special treat. It's like a double treat today because A, we have an author with us, but B, the author is also a fellow podcaster. So we are very excited to be welcoming Leah Stuhler to the podcast. Leah, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you because, well, I'm excited to have you and a sentence also to speak about writing and to trade on podcasting. Leah is the host, the creator, the host of YA Book Chat. And she's had some awesome guests on. So everyone can check that out afterwards. Okay, how do we say this? First listen to mine and then listen to hers. No way. Uh, <laughs> listen to both. Yeah, it's all good stuff. It's all great. So what came first? Your book or thinking that you're going to do a podcast? What, like, how did all this start? Well, the books that I wrote came first. I actually have two children's books that I self-published. One of them, I, it's called The Cupcake Bullies, and I wrote that for my son because he has life-threatening food allergies. And unfortunately, he's come across other people who have made fun of him for it, and it's just been a rough road with that. So I wrote that children's book for him and for other kids who have food allergies as well. And then the second one that I wrote is called Mystery Trip, also a children's picture book. And that one I wrote because both of my grandparents have passed away. It's been quite a few years and I was always really close with them and come from a really big Italian family. And so we're all very close. So I wanted to write a special story about my grandparents for me and my sister and for our family. So that's where the second book came about. And like I said, I self-published both of those. And then the podcast, a few years back, a friend of mine was like, hey, you have to read this book. This is really good. I'd never really read Young Adult very much before that. So she gave me this book. It was Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard. And I absolutely loved it and devoured it and devoured the entire series. And then as I was reading it, her and I would talk about them all the time. And I just had so much fun reading the books and talking about them with her. And I was like, you know what? I should totally do a podcast about this. How fun would it be to be reading all of these Young Adult books and then have people on who love them as much as I do and just chat about it. So that's how it all came about. Oh, so now you became like an avid young adult reader. Oh, yes. That's pretty much all I ever read now. <laughs> now oh, yeah. Welcome. We're pleased to have you here. So going back for a second to the books that you wrote, also because you said that you self-published them, was that from the outset you decided you were going to self-publish them or you tried different avenues and this is just the one that ended up working out? Or what was your consideration with that? With the first book, The Cupcake Bullies, I did try to get it traditionally published because it's something that I feel like really needs to be out there in the world and there aren't as many books about food allergies as I feel like there should be. And so I did try to go the route of getting it traditionally published. I went through probably maybe three or four years of sending it out and it getting rejected and I finally was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. So I just ended up deciding to self-publish it instead. I have a very good friend who lives in Chicago, and she kind of went through and edited it and read it for me. I trust her explicitly because she's also a writer and a published author as well. So I worked with her, and I found an illustrator on Fiverr and just Mm -hmm. went about that way. I used Amazon's self-publishing platform, which was super easy and so, so helpful. So like if anybody is ever considering self-publishing a book, I highly recommend using the Amazon platform because they have everything laid out for you. It could not be easier and more user-friendly. Fantastic. Well, yeah, you're the second author we've had on. The other author 
it's a while ago, uh, Lynn, but that they spoke about how easy the Amazon platform is. And I gotta say, Amazon is one of those things that writers, you like need it, but you also hate it at the same time because they own so okay. much of the book market. And you're like, stop underselling everyone. But at the same time, like you're saying, that's how you got your book out there. So I can't be mad at them for that, so. Right. And the other reason that I chose Amazon over like a smaller publishing company who kind of helps authors self-publish is because with Amazon, the way that they make money is I set the price of my book and I get a certain amount of it and they get a certain amount of it. Whereas like the different companies, publishing companies that I looked into that kind of help authors self-publish and do help you with marketing and things, they charge a lot of money. I would have had to pay three to $5,000 to somebody. And I just wasn't in a place where I could do that financially. So Amazon just made more sense because I didn't have to pay them like $5,000 up front. All I had to do was pay my illustrator. And because I found somebody on Fiverr for both books, actually, both children's books, um, that's just like a one-time fee. I pay them once and that's it. Right. And then all of the book money comes to me. I don't have to give the illustrator anything because I just pay them once. So. Right. And then you wrote the picture book because that was the age appropriate of your son then, or you wanted it to be a picture book because you wanted the story to like get an earlier, you know, to like an earlier age group or what was the consideration of doing a picture book? The picture book was because it was twofold. It was because of my son's age. And then also because I do want kids who are at a younger age and having food allergies to be able to have books that they can relate to earlier on. A lot of kids develop food allergies at such an early age. Like we figured out his when he was two years old. And that's how it happens really quickly. Some people don't develop them until they're adults even, but a lot of kids develop them at very young nowadays. So I just wanted to have it a picture book for that reason so that they can have something early on that they can relate to. And then had you ever thought that you were ever going to be writing a book in your life or this was just, this is the action that needs to be taken now? Yeah, you know, actually it kind of was that. The second book that I did with the mystery trip, the one that was more about my family and my grandparents, I had actually for a long time kind of felt a need to write something about my grandparents, but I just didn't know what it was going to be or what form it was going to take. So it just ended up being that I was like, you know what, I can tell a story and it's an actual story from my childhood. My grandparents they would watch my sister and my cousin and I over the summer and they would take us on what they called mystery trips. They wouldn't tell us where we were going for the day. It would be a surprise. That's what the book is. But with the other book, The Cupcake Bullies, that one came about kind of like as I feel like this is my life situation and I feel like this is a necessity and needs to be handled and taken care of and written about because what I've discovered is that a lot of people unfortunately don't take food allergies very seriously. They don't realize that are life-threatening and how easily somebody can die from it. And so I felt like there was a need for this book and a need, again, for children because, like, my son was being bullied because of his food allergies. And so I just wanted other kids to know as well, like, this is something that people do take seriously. Some people do. This is something that you're not the only one going through this. You're not alone. Yeah, well, I was once on a plane where... They made the announcement of that there was someone with, I think, a peanut allergy. So everyone who brought peanut butter on board, please don't take it out, etc. But they didn't make the announcement until it was the announcements for takeoff. And I was like, what about all the amount of time until you made this announcement? I could have taken out my peanut butter. Why did you wait to do that? I don't know. That has nothing to do with anything, but I just thought of it now. It was like, tell us before we get on the plane and we won't bring the peanut butter. Don't wait until we've already been on the plane for 20 minutes. 
Right. Well, anytime we take a trip and fly, I Clorox wipe everything down before we sit down and let him sit anywhere just to be on the safe side. And some people do have an allergy that's so severe that even just smelling it, like the dust from peanuts, could cause them to have a reaction. So, Well, that's why. We have to give them maybe the picture book so that they can know. So then did you also do that second book, the one that's, you know, for your grandparents and that, did you also self-publish that because once you had done it the first time and you're like, hey, I like this process, so I'm just going to stick with this or? Yeah, that's exactly why I did it that way because I was like, well, I know how to do this already. And I know that, again, it could take years to get something traditionally published. And I wasn't really sure, honestly, like if my cute little story about my family (laughs) would be something that a lot of publishers would be interested in. But it was a story that I wanted to tell. And I know that for some people whose families are like mine and have these kind of experiences that it would mean a lot to them. So I just decided to self-publish it. Do people, because it does exist in the industry, where it's like if you tell someone that you're self-published, they're like, oh, like all of a sudden you're not an author anymore if you self-publish. Right. Has anyone said that? They're just like, oh, that's so nice. You wrote a book. or so excited. No, nobody's really said that to me. They think they've all been pretty supportive and have like, oh, that's really cool that you did that. I mean, I haven't gotten the negative side of it. I think I've actually more thought that about myself sometimes, (laughs) but nobody's really said that to me. Yeah, it was actually, I guess it was two episodes, two, three episodes ago. Oh, by the time this comes out, it'll be like two, three episodes ago. We're talking to author Chris Cannon that she's traditionally published, but she's working on something now that she's thinking of self-publishing. And you have a lot of writers, even big name writers, who they're with the big houses, they've got agents, they've got all this kind of stuff. And they still, sometimes if it's like a personal project or for something, for whatever reason, they'll still choose to self-publish. It's like different yeah. now. Yeah. You don't really call it vanity presses anymore. Everyone's just like, oh, it's just self-publishing. It has a different kind of uh, feel to it, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So moving over to the podcast, what's your approach to that? Is it just like, oh, I just read this book. I'm going to talk about it. Do you plot it out? Like, okay, we need to talk about this author, that author. Or like, how how do you decide for what your content is going to be? When I first started, I pretty much had like a bunch of books that I had already read that I loved that I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start with these books because I've read them already. And I know that I really like them and I could talk about them for a while. So (laughs) that's how it started. And then as I'm reading books, like I have a ridiculously long TBR list and I'm always looking at publishers websites and I follow a load of authors on Instagram and you know I just try and see what's popular too what's really hitting people what people are bookstagramming about and so I try different things if I have read something where I've not liked it and so I've decided not to cover it on the podcast because I only want to talk about books that I really like so I'll just as I'm reading through my list if I really like something then I'll decide to cover it and I'll find a guest who can come on with me and then go from there. So you're just, especially because we spoke about this before we got on that your episodes are usually much longer than mine are so (laughs) Are you just, okay, let's fill the time. We'll talk about everything we want to talk about the book. Or is it like, no, we want to specifically talk about, I don't know, certain aspects or... Or is it just, let's just sit and talk about the book? Well, when I first started it, I actually did talk about pretty much everything that happened. Okay. <laughs> as much as I possibly could. But then the episodes were getting to be really long, a lot longer than I wanted them to be. So I decided to kind of change formats. So I have a very specific format now where what I'll do is, if it's just a regular episode, my guest and I will talk about, I'll have a spoiler-free section at the beginning for like 15 minutes. And we'll talk about, you know, the plot will say just in general what the book is about. And then we talk about what we liked or didn't like. And then we're just kind of some general 
things about it. And then we go into an in-depth plot discussion with spoilers. And I usually just pick like some really big plot points that stood out to me and then we'll talk about those and then if anything else comes up while we're chatting then it does but that's usually how it goes and then when I do author interviews I just have like a bunch of questions that I'll ask them I try and ask some general author questions you know like what challenges did you face writing this where did the idea come from but then I ask them like really specific spoiler free though questions about their book right and then will you ever look up either to see if anyone else has written an article about the book or you look up reviews about the book or you don't look into other stuff before you'll discuss a book? No, I usually just keep it to my experience with the book because I find that there are so many differing opinions on books. Yep. Like I've seen, I mean, it's crazy because I'll read a book that I absolutely love and then I'll see somebody post about how they hated it and I'm like, I just don't understand that. How did you hate this book? You know? so, yeah. But there have been books that I've read that I did not like at all and other people are raving about them. So I just go off of what I think and how I feel about it and don't base it off of anybody else. Yeah, it's so subjective. What about like a book that everyone's raving about and you read it and you're like, I don't get it. It could have been a good book or read well, but you're like, I just don't know what the book is trying to say. Have you ever, and then you go and then you're like, oh, that, no, I still don't get it. Or anything like that. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, I have. In fact, the funny thing is though, is I did cover it on my podcast. <laughs> it was a bonus episode because it's actually like an adult book. So I just did it like as a fun bonus episode. And the reason I did it was because the author who was my guest, it was not the author of the book, but it was somebody else I know who's also an author. She felt the same way that I did about the book. So it was kind of fun because we could laugh our way through it and be like, I have no idea what was going on in this, but it was still a good book. Like, funny. <laughs> it, was, it was weird, but it, I don't know it worked. Sometimes I'll do that with like classics it occurs <laughs> or like I'm like I know there's a reason why this book is a big deal but I it's just not it's not clicking for me. Now that you're stuck on YA what would you say are some of the things that kind of draws you to YA that you're happy to be stuck in YA instead of going back to adults quote-unquote adult fiction? I think one of the things is just how fast-paced a lot of YA is. Yeah. Because, like, when I do go back to an adult book, I find that I feel like it's really slow. I feel like I'm just waiting for the next big plot point and wondering where it is. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas YA, it moves so much faster. That's probably, like, one of the biggest things for me. And there's just so much fantasy and adventure and sci-fi, all of these different things. I just feel like, for some reason, all of that as seen through, like, a teenager's perspective is just way more appealing <laughs> for me somehow yeah. than as a, through an adult's perspective. I don't know why, but... <laughs> Justice. Well, I think also they're kind of writing up these days, I guess you could say. There's enough that's mm -hmm. not, but I think a lot of the like the quote-unquote 16 and up, which I mean, that's an arbitrary age, but I think a lot of that is not necessarily written for teens. It's just, as in, it's not necessarily written in a teen voice, I should say. It's just, right. it's written for teens because the teen is going through it. And it is true because, especially when you look at adult fantasy, you have much more epic fantasy that you have to spend like 50 pages on getting from one village to another, and in YA, that would just be cut out. Right. Or all the extraneous characters that there's like 17,000, like, like a cast of like, it's like a Game of Thrones, like a call for extras, you know, like that's what the cast yes. is. And that's not in YA because everything is just much, 
I guess almost it's fast paced and, and straightforward. Right. Um, it is. You know what everybody is thinking and what's going on and what's happening in each moment. Like it's usually pretty clear. Again, you know, with adults, it just takes a lot longer. I am a fan of high fantasy books like The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, you know, where, and, and that's how it is. It, just, yeah. it takes a lot longer, but there's always something happening in those books. Whereas I recently read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, oh, which yeah. It was a good book, but I just found myself being like, okay, I've read this now. I know that she's doing this. I need something bigger to happen. Like, so I just really enjoy, I think, the faster paced of YA. Yeah. There's something about being able to get through a book faster. You read more of right. them. But now that you mentioned that, well, V.E. Schwab, Victoria Schwab, have you read any of her YA, This Dark Duet? Um post and I did a review on this and I'm blaming what the name is so that's also that was one of the first one of her books that I read and sometimes when you read someone and the book just clicks a certain way and it's so fantastic so on the one end you're like oh I gotta read more of their stuff but the other stuff is not gonna click in the same way not because right. they're not a good author it has nothing to do with the writing ability it's just because something about that story clicked so it's almost like you feel like you're always trying to play catch up almost to like like why is it not the same as the first one that I had yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, without preempting what our wrap-up is going to be, because we're not there yet, is there anything about YA that you're like, okay, I love the YA, I love the, YA, the style, but can you please stop doing X? Or I wish they didn't always have to put X into YA. Do you have anything like that about it? Okay, so I have really, really tried to get into YA vampire stories, <laughs> okay. but I just can't. Like, okay. I feel like with all of the YA vampire stories that I read, they're all like so similar they all have such similar plot lines and all like the vampires are the same and the other characters and I also feel like a lot of the times with the vampire stories they're just very predictable and um yeah that's just one thing that I don't really enjoy <laughs> I've yeah. tried but I just can't do it <laughs> yeah that's fair it's funny because I think paranormal and specifically with the vampires you really have to be a fan of the genre I'm sure there are but I think a lot of people are not like casual vampire readers it's just Right. The people who really go versus like you could casually pick up some of the YA fantasy. You don't have to be a massive fan of fantasy, I think. I mean, you don't really like it, but I think the vampires, I have, I have one thing with the vampires. It's, and I don't know that there's a way around it, but you always have, and you'll see it in the film especially. So there's the vampire who looks like the teens. He's hanging out of the high school with them, whatever it is. And he's really like two to three hundred years old. And then there's yeah. the one teen girl who falls in love with him. And I'm always like, but he's like 300 years old. I am not okay with this. Like, I am weirded out by this. Just because he looks like a teen doesn't mean he is a teen. Yes. The funny thing is, is, you know, I've like read and enjoyed adult vampire books. Just the YA ones, just I can't do it. <laughs> that is funny. I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll call it a genre thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got a variety of different kinds of writers on your podcast. Is that just reaching out to, hey, I read your book. You want to come on? Or is there some other sort of consideration that goes into that? Or It's been a combination of things. So I did reach out to a couple of different authors and they were like, yeah, definitely I'll come on. But I've also had publicists and a couple of publishers contact me and say, hey, we have these new books coming out. Would you want to interview this author on your podcast? Amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Did they find you also through social media or how would they have found you? There were a couple through social media, but also I think a lot of it is because I went on different publishers' websites and like there's a form that you can submit yeah. to them to get ARCs and whatnot. And after I did that, I, that's when I really started getting contacted a lot more by them. 
Yeah, because I was asking about the social media. I spoke to Tom Booth, who's an illustrator, and he said he's put up artwork on social media before. And then there are art directors, I guess, who watch social media. And he's gotten jobs like that. But I think, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. In general, I think because Instagram works really well for artists and illustrators, it's a great platform for them. But I guess book reviews are not exactly the same thing. And so, but what do you do then? They ask you, do you want to check out this book and then interview this person? Has there ever been like, ooh, no, I don't do that? Or is it always just like, yes, 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 yes? Oh, it's not always yes. Because okay. <laughs> I do try and plan and schedule things out. So I have had to like recently say no because my schedule is pretty packed right now. But I did say yes to somebody once and they sent me the book and I started reading the book and I absolutely hated it. So I had to get back to them and say, hey, you know, I started reading this. Unfortunately, I don't really feel like it's a good fit for me after all. So I'm not going to be able to do this. And they were totally fine about it. But <laughs> I try to, when the publishers or publicists contact me, they will send me the information with the whole blurb, what the book is about and whatnot. And so I'll read it. I'll look up the author if I'm not familiar with them and kind of think, you know, is this something I think I would like? Is it something I think my listeners would like? And then go based off of that. Yeah, that's... Can't give too many details, but I did have that, that I once spoke to an author, and then by the time I got around to actually reading the book... I didn't like it, but some of it was like a genre thing that I also, because it was like, okay, I'm reading it because I spoke to her, but then I was like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm glad I read this after I spoke to the author, because if not, that could be a little bit, you're ready to speak with someone, like, that. that's a little awkward. Yeah. I don't know, like, but I guess not a good fit, because I'd rather say no because the genre doesn't match than because, like, I didn't like your writing. Because you know right. what, I don't mind if you tell me, oh, I love this part of your book or not this part of the book, but, like... It's not me to say, oh, your writing sucks. Like, that's not... Right. Yeah, I don't want to be doing that, and I don't... Just because it's not my style. Yeah, I'm the same way. And that's why, like, I only try and cover books on the podcast that I like, because I don't want to trash anybody's writing, because I know that it's hard. And, like, even there was a book that I read, that it was the third book in a trilogy, and I had covered the other two, so I had to cover the last one as well. And while it was a good book, there were definitely more things about that one that I didn't like. And my friend, who was my guest, felt the exact same way. Mm. And so we were just careful, though, when we said, you know, I didn't really like this aspect of it I wish that this had been done differently but we were still careful to say but this author did a fantastic job and overall the series is amazing because we did both really like it overall but I just you know I'm the same way like I don't want to trash anybody or say anything bad so if I feel like it's not a fit and I still have time beforehand (laughs) before recording my episode I'll just go back and say I'm sorry I don't think this is gonna work out I did actually have a situation where I had said yes because the premise of the book sounded really good to me. And then I read the book and I didn't like it. But I didn't want to cancel because I would have felt like a heel. So I just found a way to phrase and ask questions that would still shed a good light on it, even though I didn't like it. I didn't let on to the author at all that I didn't like the book. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Sometimes that's also, especially if it's the second book in a series or the third book in a series and I don't like it. So you're almost so disappointed, yeah. but I'll go and read reviews just to like validate myself. So I'm like, it can't just be me, right? So if other people are like, oh, this is so amazing. I'm like, oh, great. What did I not get? But if you see yeah. other people who are like, oh, I don't think this was as good as the first ones. You're like, okay, it's not just me. We still support the author. It's just this one didn't do it for us. Yeah. Exactly. I can handle that much better. Okay. So we always wrap up with our fill in the blank of I really like it when writers, editors, publishers, etc. do X and I really don't like it when they do X. So using any of those, how would you fill in the blank for both of those? Okay, uh, let's see. I really like it when writers pull aspects from their own life and put them into the story because I feel like it just makes the story a little bit more rich in a way. 
Okay. Well, how do you know, though? Oh, I guess after you speak with a writer, you'll find out about that? Yeah. Like, I've interviewed some authors and asked them that question, because based on what I've read about the author and what the book was, I could kind of tell, like, it felt like they pulled from their life, and so I've asked them about it, and then got that confirmation as well. Okay. All right, let's see what I don't like. I don't like it when authors... And, oh, I hope no authors hate me after this, but <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it when authors write something in a way that it ends up not feeling like a satisfying ending. For example, when you have a main character who's had an issue with a villain and they have a vendetta against them and want to kill them, but then somebody else kills the person instead oh. of the main character. Because yeah. that's unsatisfying, yes. you know? <laughs> Yes. So I guess that kind of thing, which I know is really broad in general and could encompass so much, but it's one specific thing I don't really like when they do that. Also, well, I don't know if you'd say this, but I would attack on open-ended endings. Mm -hmm. I know there's like some people like the artistic broadness of it and like use your imagination, but no, you're telling me a story. So please wrap up your story somehow. <laughs> like you're the double, like, did it happen like this or did it not happen like this? You know, like the, uh, I was like, just give me something that's enough of an ending that I could just be satisfied that the story wrapped up. I want the closure, you know? Yes. What I have discovered though is sometimes from speaking with different authors who I have about specific books, sometimes they leave books open-ended so that if they want to, they can come back to that world and write about it again at a later point. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but not fair because now we have to sit and wait for you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm just going to ask two random questions. Now. Do you have any like personal policy about starting series before they're all out or before you know how many books are going to be in it? Or anything like that or you wait for the series? Oh my gosh, you know what? I feel like I should have yeah. a policy on this for myself, but I don't and I don't follow it because I always end up starting a book and then realize too late into it that it's a series and I didn't know it was a whole <laughs> series. And then I get stuck because the last book's not written. Uh, yes. So I am like notorious for doing that. And I always tell myself I'm not going to do that, but it never ends up happening. So I do it all the time. <laughs> yes. And the thing with it is, well, this sometimes happens with me, is that I might start the series and then either the first book, the second book, and the, and the last book's not out yet because it's not coming mm -hmm. out for another year. By the time it comes out, I'm like, I forgot about the series because I moved on to other books. So then I'm like, right. well, I guess I don't know the ending of that. Oh, well. So. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes because things happen. There's a book series that I've read. There are going to be six books. There are currently five, but Ooh. it's been two years since book five came out and oh, he yeah. is still writing book six and he like scrapped all of it after he wrote it and started over oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like you're killing me right now <laughs> <laughs> that pressure has gotten me intense because you know everyone's waiting oh, yeah. for book number six mm -hmm. uh, when people do give you feedback about the podcast or just different things that you mentioned do you see are there any specific I guess you could say common themes or threads or like, I always like it when you talk about X or like, thank you for mentioning X. Cause like, I, I wanted to know that other people were seeing that thing of that. And like, that's just like, Oh great. Like I love your talk with whomever. And that's kind of it. 
actually what I really get a lot is that people tell me that they love that I do like the first 15 minutes spoiler free Mm -hmm. so that they can get a feel for what the book is about and decide if they want to read it or not because then it's because I give a big warning before I go into the spoiler section so it's their choice or not to listen to it but a lot of people will say I'm so glad that you do that because then I can tell you know from what you and your guest say if it's something that I want to read or not and then I don't have to have anything spoiled for me if I don't want to. Right. I know reading etiquette, well, we could say probably story etiquette is not to do spoilers, but are you someone personally who's like, don't ever spoil it? Or you're like, yeah, spoilers, whatever. Because I want to talk about the plot line and the whole book, like obviously I do spoilers on my podcast, but I always give people a warning because I know that not everybody wants that and not everybody maybe has read the book yet. I though really, really try to avoid spoilers for a book that I'm reading because I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> when I go into it, I am, cannot believe I'm about to admit this, but there are a couple of books that I have read where I've been reading it and I'm just, I can't take it anymore. I have to know. And I will be that person who flips to the back of the book. Yep. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't do it very often, but every once in a while. But for the most part, though, I avoid spoilers when I'm reading because I just, I don't want to know. I don't want to know how it's going to end. I want to wait and find out for myself. I always go to the back. I'm absolutely terrible. <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, how can you do that? You're such a nice reader or whatever. I'm like, it's the way it is. Okay. Everyone just, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. Okay. Just <laughs> see you do it sometimes. I'll do it like all the time. So I know you're not supposed to do that, but this is life. I would probably even listen to spoilers and stuff like that because then I'm like, oh, okay, here's where we're going. It's almost like any of the big movies or stuff like that when they have the big twist. So once you've seen the movie, mm-hmm. it almost takes away like usual suspect or something like that. But then once yeah. you know, or Sixth Sense, right? But once you know what it is, it's almost like you go back to it, you can almost see the setup now. One you could appreciate for storytelling, one you could appreciate almost for like structure and setup almost. Right, exactly. Yeah, except for the times where you see the end and you're like, oh, that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the book's over for me. And then like, you just totally ruined it for yourself. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's fine, we did our wrap up and we did like a whole second section, but... <laughs> so we'll just re-wrap up with just saying, Leah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so great speaking with you. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. This was a bonus episode of Oh My Work podcast featuring author and podcaster Leah Stewart. To find out more about Leah and her work, please check the link in the episode notes. To find out more about Oh My Work podcast and keep track of all the great stuff we're up to, follow us on Instagram at Oh My Work podcast, check us out on YouTube, or check us out at el Music is by Tim Burke. Thanks so much for joining us. Catch you next time.